Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. I want you to take a look at the screen with me. You guys, uh, you guys good? You look at the screen. Look at that word. Identity. Identity. Right? You see that? Uh, everybody's got an identity. Don't we? <laughs> you got an identity? Sure we do. You know what identity is? It's simple. Identity is the distinguishing character or personality of an individual. Right? It's, it's that which distinguishes us. And our identity is unique. Right? Even identical twins. Right? I'm not sure how identical they are, but, you know, I'm not sure what DNA they share or what characteristics they share, but they're unique. Parents know that. Uh, Bobby Joe sitting right there. Are, is, Faye, is Taylor and, and Riley identical twins? They, I can't tell them apart. They have to get DNA tested. They have to get DNA tested. Right. Yeah, I always, I always miss them up. I mess them up all the time. Uh, but we all have a unique identity, right? Uh, in fact, we are born with identity. Isn't that right? Uh, most of us, I would, I would assume most of us, have a birth certificate. You have a birth certificate? Are you here today? Yeah, all right. Birth certificate. You know what that, that labels us. It identifies us, right? And prayerfully, I think, maybe, hopefully, somebody claims you at birth. <laughs> you know, if not, I know there's some that have been put up for adoption, and we, we, you know, we, we thank the Lord for that as well. But at birth, normally, I mean, the ideal is that somebody claims you, right? And on that birth certificate, they, they gave you a name. You know, they named you. And that identified you. And then I, I guess maybe on the birth certificate is your parents' names and what, footprints or thumbprints or, I'm not sure. I, it's been a long time since I looked at mine, you know. Um, but it, it kind of, it's, it's an identification mark, correct? You know, and so we have an identity. And, uh, and I guess that's just the way it is in life. And then there's times, do you ever hear this? Do you ever hear somebody say this? That person has lost their identity. Do you ever hear that? Basically, what they're saying is this, they've strayed from who they really are. That, that's also, I've heard that said about groups. I've heard that said about churches. That church has lost its identity. They've kind of strayed from who they really are. Correct? And that's not what I'm preaching about this morning, but I've heard that said. Well, you know, such is true uh, in the Christian life. When we're born again, we're given an identity. Isn't that right? And as believers, we're labeled, <laughs> aren't we? In fact, now, if you think about this, the world in which we live labels us. True? How many of us have been called at one time or another because you lived out your faith, you've been called maybe a holy roller? You ever been called a holy roller? How about a Jesus freak? Uh, I'm sure some of you have been called Bible thumpers. And here's a new one, a fundy. You know what a fundy is? Jim, you know what a fundy is? A fundy is a fundamentalist. You're a fundy, but there's no fun in being a fundamentalist. 
You know, you got to be mean and hard and nasty and, you know, against everything to be a fundamentalist, you know. And those, there's some of the labels that I think are given to us in society and, may, and many more. You've probably been called worse than that. But when you look into the Bible, when you look into the Bible, we as believers, as Christians are identified. We're labeled. You know some of the labels. For example, we are identified as followers. I like that. You know, follower of Christ. I'm following Jesus. Jesus said in the very beginning when he began to uh, form his team, he just simply said, follow me. And I want to be a follower of Christ. I think sometimes we're, we're, we're labeled in the Bible as disciples. You know what a disciple is? A disciple is an intern. A disciple is an apprentice. A disciple is someone who's learning, right? Following in the footsteps of their mentor or their discipler. Uh, the Bible labels it this way. A disciple is a continual learner, right? We're always learning. So much more to learn. And as we learn, we apply, so we're followers and disciples. And then I think this, in, in the Bible, we're, we're labeled as sheep. And I won't go too far down that road because sheep is not the very best label to have. However, we are a part of his flock. And I'm glad to say the Lord is my shepherd, right? He's my shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me beside the still waters and he restores my soul. Aren't you glad? I like the part in verse number five where he says, my cup runneth over. You know, we get to live in the overflow of life every once in a while. And so we're followers and disciples and sheep, servants. That's a label, right, that believers, Christians in the Bible. And that's because we, you know, we serve uh, a great server, right? Our, our, our Savior Jesus was servant of all. And Jesus said, let the greatest among you be, be the servant of all. And so we're servants, Right? So think about it. Our identity is formed for us in the Scripture. The Bible calls us followers and disciples and sheep and servants. And here in this text, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, did I tell you to turn there? You mean you weren't reading my mind like you usually do? <laughs> 2 Timothy chapter number 2, I want you to notice we're labeled as soldiers. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. Paul said this to Timothy, he said, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier. No, don't go there. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He said, verse 4, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Now look at verse 5. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. And so in that passage right there, we're, we're called uh, soldiers, good soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Have you ever noticed that in the Bible, you ever read your Bible, and, and every once in a while the Bible uses metaphors to describe, talk about the Christian life? You know, sometimes with, it, it, you know, we're running in a race, right? You ever see that metaphor, right? We're running in a race, run all that you may win. But oftentimes, oftentimes it uses the metaphor or terminology of the military, of the military. In fact, here's what we read, Hebrews chapter number two. We read this. We read that Jesus is the captain. Come on, man. You're quiet today. He's the captain of our salvation. You have a Bible. <laughs> Hebrews chapter number two. Jesus is the captain of our salvation. Isn't that exciting? Huh? And, 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 you know, that could be a military term, could be captain of the ship. He's just the captain, right? He's our leader. 
And then, and then, of course, in the New Testament, right, we just read it, where as Christians, as believers, we're labeled as soldiers and prayerfully good soldiers, right? Good soldiers. Uh, we're told this, we're told by Paul to put on the whole armor of God, right? All these military metaphors. Paul said this, Paul said at the end of his life that he had fought a good fight. Remember that terminology? Fought a good fight. And so, my question is this, why then are there so many military references in Scripture? Why are there so many military metaphors? And the answer to that is a simple one, and that is because we are in a fight. We're in a fight. This is a battle. I remember early on in my Christian life, I used to hear it all the time. Preachers would come along and say, hey, listen, the Christian life, we, we, don't, we don't live the Christian life on the playground, it's on the battleground right? And it's just, I guess, just, just a, another way to speak about spiritual warfare. And we're, we're told, we're reminded in Scripture, to pay attention here, that we don't fight against, you know, flesh and blood. Our battle, our war, you know, the battle that we're in is against principalities and powers of this dark world. Spiritual wickedness, it speaks about, in high or heavenly places and heavenly realms. Are you with me? And we need to be reminded of that. And the Apostle Paul said this. Listen to these words of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse 4 and 5. He said, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You know what that means? That means this. We don't fight in this spiritual battle using carnal or fleshly weaponry. No, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. He said, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Did you hear that? He went on and said this, uh, he said this, listen, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Are you with me? Speaking about our identity, you know, the the truth behind that scene is this. Now, get this, the Christian life is more than just being saved. Would you agree? The Christian life is more than just accepting Christ as your Savior. The Christian life is more than having a a day of salvation and then a day to disappear. No, there's life in between. I remember reading this one time about D.L. Moody in one of his uh, memoirs. He, He said this, he said, a man came to him and said, Mr. Moody, 14 years ago I was saved in one of your meetings. And Moody, D.L. Moody, without hesitation, he responded and said this, what have you been doing since? Same man right there. Hey, Mr. Moody, I was in one of your meetings about 14 years ago, and I got saved. And instead of Moody saying, well, praise the Lord, I'm glad to hear that, Moody said, and what have you been doing since? And I guess maybe today we need to ask ourselves, what have I been doing since? I got saved a long time ago. Huh? I remember the day. Did you ever sing that song? I remember the day when heaven came down. You never sang it, did you? Did you ever hear it? How many of you know it? How many are saved this morning? <laughs> Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm not sure if you're here. I remember the day I got saved. That was a long time ago. But the question is, what have I been doing since? What have I been doing since the day I got saved? And according to this text, we're encouraged to be not just a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ, but what? But what? Pulling teeth this morning, Tyler. A good soldier. 
Look here, look up here. I'm not trying to trick you. Amen? And you won't be graded on any of this. But I want you to be a part. I want you to connect. I want you to get this. Look, verse 3. A good soldier. So, we're, we're not just encouraged to be a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ, but a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to think about this for a second. Uh, there's no avoiding being a soldier. Once you get saved, you're labeled. And in the Bible, you become a follower, a disciple. You're one of his sheep. You're a servant. And you are a soldier. You cannot dodge that draft. Huh? There's no way to get around it. Why? Because the one who has enlisted you is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's chosen us. Look what it says in verse number, number 4. That he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. He chose us for this life. Amen. We're to be good soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's my question. What does a good soldier look like? Think about it for a second. If I'm to be a good soldier, then what does a good soldier look like? And if I were to stay true just to this text this morning, just verse 3, 4, and 5, I think there's at least three attributes that are revealed about a good soldier, and I want to share them with you. Look, look, at, look at this. First, I want you to see verse number three, a good soldier endures hardness. Do you see that? Verse three, look at verse four. Uh, the Bible says a good soldier uh, does not entangle himself. And so he doesn't get into, he avoids entanglements. And then in verse number five, he says, and if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. And so a good soldier strives to succeed. Take a picture of that. There are the attributes of a good soldier. I want you to say with me because let's make this a classroom setting. Let's make this, where's Brother Will? Brother Will, let's make this small group. Okay, small group. All right? You know what you do in a small group? You discuss things. Right? Now, I don't want you to give input other than saying amen. That's good. Thank you for that. That's a blessing to me. And you can say that any time during my preaching, and I'll tell you what, I'll enjoy it. I love when my wife says, yeah, Dinner's ready. I love those words. Uh, she don't have to usually say them twice. I'm up ready to go. Huh? Look at it. Uh, what are the attributes of a good soldier? Number one, a good soldier. Say with me, class. Number two. And then number three. I mean, that's right there in the Bible. That's what the Bible says. I'm not making this up. Right? I didn't get this from Dr. So-and-so's uh, latest book on being a good soldier. No, the Bible teaches that a good soldier endures hardness, avoids entanglements, and strives to succeed. And by the way, you and I are to be good soldiers. Think about this for a second. Are you a Christian? How many of us say, I'm a Christian? I'm a Christian. You do know that there's a difference between being a Christian and being saved, right? Why is that? Why is that? Well, because Christianity is a lifestyle. Salvation is an event in time. You accept Christ as your personal Savior, and then you choose to live like Christ. You become a Christian, right? You're Christ-like. Does that make sense? Yes, right? Uh, now, think about this. Answer me this question. Is there a possibility for you and I to be anything other than a good Christian? Can you be a bad Christian? Careful. What is a Christian? A follower of Christ, somebody who has made up his mind, they're going to live like Jesus wants. Are we perfect? 
No, no. Turn to somebody and say, no, I'm not perfect. Go ahead, do it. Go ahead. Get it out of the way right now. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. Not by a long shot. However, turn to that person and say, I am striving to be the best Christian I can be. Boy, you just put yourself on the spot, didn't you? So, think about it again. Is there a possibility for you and I to be anything other than a good Christian? I would say no. Because once you stop living like Christ, then you're not living like a Christian. You're saved, and that's where we talked about you can have a saved life and a lost soul, or a saved soul and a lost life, right? You're saved, you're born again, you're going to heaven when you die. But in order to, you know, be a Christian, there's only one kind of Christian to be. And that's a good one. That's a good one. And there's only one kind of soldier to be, and that's a good one. And if you're going to be a good soldier, then these attributes will be true of you. Can we dive in just a, a little bit? Well, it won't take real long, but can we dive in and examine that just for a bit? You, you up for that? Say yes, Pesh, I'm up for that. I'm going to say, whether you're up or not, we're gone. We're going to dive in. Take a look, look, look at verse 3 with me again. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier. Let me remind you that Paul is speaking to Timothy here. And the very first attribute he talks about is this enduring hardness. Let me tell you just a little bit about Timothy, if, if you don't mind. Timothy was the lead pastor of the church in Ephesus. Did you ever read the book of, of Ephesians? Did you ever read that book? The book of Ephesians really was a letter that Paul sent to a local church just like this. And, and in that letter, mm, wonderful truth, some doctrinal, some practical, all inspired by God. And, and he writes it to the church, but a lot of times when, when he would write those letters, he would literally write them to the pastor, and the pastor would share them with the church. And during this period of time in Timothy's life, being the lead pastor of the church in Ephesus, he was going through it. I mean to tell you, he was facing all kinds of opposition. Did you ever face opposition? Did you ever face opposition? Well, Timothy was facing opposition as a pastor of a local church. He was facing things like this. There were false teachers there. He was facing opposition from false teachers. He was facing opposition from apostates. You know what an apostate is? You know what an apostate is somebody who has departed from the faith. They once were. You know, we would say this, you know, uh, there are people that used to come to Open Bible that no longer come to Open Bible, and they don't go to any church. And the last time I checked, they are denying their Christian faith. They're an apostate. They've departed. Not that they've changed churches. Just because you go from one mm, Bible-believing church to another doesn't make you an apostate. And by the way, if you consider a person like that an apostate, you're really being ugly as a Christian. Say amen right there. However, when a person departs to faith, they leave the church, they leave the faith, they are an apostate. Timothy was facing opposition opposition from apostates. Look here, pay attention to this. It's one thing to leave, but it's another thing to leave and still bother the people you've left. Oh, that was big. That was big. You know what I say sometimes mm, just to my, my friend Donna, Donna Yanizzi, you ever meet her? Sometimes I'll say this, why don't when people leave the church, why don't they just leave? Why do they have to keep writing letters? Why do they have to keep bothering people? Why do they have to keep sending their criticisms? If you don't like it here and you want to leave, just leave. But leave us alone. That's good preaching, man. I don't care what church you go to, that's good preaching. So, Timothy's facing not just false teachers, but he's facing opposition from apostates. And not only that, he's facing opposition from, from persecutors. Uh, there were enemies of the cross, and they're persecuting him. So he's going through it. Are you with me? So in that setting, 
In that setting, the Apostle Paul writes Timothy this letter because he's concerned for his spiritual well-being. Did you ever get concerned for somebody's well-being, spiritual well-being, when they were going through a difficult time? I do all the time. I get burdened all the time for people who are going through difficulties spiritually. Uh, And most of the time it's from the circumstances we face in, in life, in the world. And so Paul is concerned that during this time of opposition, Timothy might weaken He might bend. He might compromise. And so what does he do? He writes to encourage him. Look in chapter number 1. Look what he says in verse number 1, verse 6. He said, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee. What's he saying? He's saying, Timothy, I'm writing to remind you. I won't get you stirred up. And there's some times in the Christian faith we need to get stirred up. What a crowd this morning, man. Stir it up. You go to church and sometimes you're just looking to get stirred up, get reminded. Maybe you say, Lord, I'll tell you what, I've grown a little cold. My heart's a little cold. And I'm praying that you just stir me up today. Paul's writing Timothy and he says, I'm, I'm writing to stir you up and put you in remembrance. Look in verse 7. For God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Isn't that a great Bible verse? Huh? Great Bible verse. Look in chapter 2, verse 1. He said, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul's writing to stir him up and then to remind him to be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that grace does? That grace enables us to endure hardness. You see the setting? This is not just some idle chatter. This is not wishful thinking. This is not, you know, Paul just writing and saying, hey, listen, man, if you're going to follow the Lord, you're going to have... No, he's writing to a real person who's facing real opposition, and he's really concerned about his spiritual well-being. And he says, I'm writing to stir you up and remind you to be strong, to encourage you to be strong in God's grace. You know what God's grace is at the core? God doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And he gives us that enablement. So whatever he calls us to do, he enables us to do it. Isn't that rich? Isn't that wonderful? And so when you look at the words endure hardness, here's how you interpret that. Are you listening real good? Paul's saying, Timothy, I know you're going through it, but you're just going to have to be willing to suffer. That's what that means. You must be willing to suffer. Now let me clarify something here. That doesn't mean we wake up every morning looking for a fight. Or at least the most of us don't. Hello? I, I, don't, I don't look for fights. I try to avoid fights. When I know somebody's got an issue, I try to hide from them. I don't like confrontation. I don't like conflict. You know, I'm a peacemaker. I've been on the phone all week with a couple of individuals who have some really difficult decisions to make in their life and in their ministries, and I've encouraged them, take the high road. Take the high road. Don't get involved in petty squabbles. Don't get involved in the conflict. Let God take care of that for you. Take that. Why? I'd rather be at peace than to go in with guns blazing and knowing there's going to be fallout. Right? And every single day, i got to worry about what's the fallout today. What email am I going to get today? Who's going to text something about me today? Who's going to give me a call today? What's going to happen? No, if I just go in and take the high road peace, that may occur, but it's nothing that I've instigated. So he's not saying wake up every morning looking for a fight. I don't wake up in the morning, Steve, and say, now, Lord, it's been a while since I've really suffered. Would you help me to suffer today? How many of you prayed that prayer? I got medication in my office for you if you prayed that prayer. 
Now, I don't wake up in the morning praying for God to cause me to suffer. However, when, pay attention here, when there's a fork in the road and the choice is mine between doing right or taking the road of compromise or the road of ease, I've got to choose the road that a good soldier would choose. Are you with me? And that means I might have to endure hardness. That's what good soldiers do. I can go on and on about that, but I'm running out of time. There's a second attribute I want you to see. Look at verse number 4. Verse 4, he says, no man that warreth. Wow. No man that warreth. You see that? We're in a war. This is, this is, this is a war. You, you don't get it. We just don't get it sometimes, you know. But this is warfare. The devil is after us. I, I was listening to something this morning. I shared it in the uh, 930 group session. I was listening to a preacher this morning. Here's what he said about evil in our world. He said evil in our world today is more visible than ever before. He said years back, it used to be subtle. It was subliminal. You know, it always came in the back door. He didn't say this. I'm saying this. Today, it's coming in the front door. It's sitting in our living rooms. It's in our dining rooms. It's in our children's bedrooms. Hello? It's at work. It's everywhere. I mean, you turn on the TV set, there's nudity, there's vulgarity, right? You listen to the, to the news. I used to love Bob. I used to love listening to WIP sports radio. I used to love that. But, man, every once in a while, I'm listening, I'm getting cussed out. I got to turn it off. I can't allow somebody to come into my space and cuss me out. Did you hear what I just said? You can agree anytime you feel like it's important to agree. Are you with me? And so he's saying this, you've got to understand, you are in a war, and if you're going to be a good soldier, you must flip it. You must avoid entanglements. You must avoid entanglements. We can say a whole lot about that. But I will tell you this, the basic instruction here is simply this, a good soldier is always on duty. A good soldier is always on duty. Before I die, I'm going to get you to say amen, I promise. Now, I may die next week, but before I do, I'm going to get you to say amen. A good soldier avoids, or a good soldier is always on duty. Plain and simple. Ask, ask a good police officer this question. When you're off duty, are you off duty? And here's what I'll tell you, we're never off duty. A good police officer, even when they're off duty, is never off duty. Ask a good parent. I didn't say parents, said a good parent. And here's what they'll tell you. My eyes are always on my children. My antennas are always up when it comes to my children. I'm always aware. What, at least I'm trying to be always aware of what my children. Why? They're a good parent. Amen. Are you with me? You ask a, a military uh, member of, of the United States military about the military. Here's what they'll tell you. I am owned by the United States military. Uh, when you're in the service, they govern your time, your attention. I mean, you owe, they own you. And as a Christian, we need to be a Christian 24-7. Amen. There's never a time where we take the clothing off. There's never a time when we can be unchristian. I mean, there's been many times when I like to say to the Lord, would you please get out of the car right now so I can ram this person? <laughs> or so I can yell at this person? Uh, Lord, would you step out right now so I can give this person a piece of my mind? And would you, Holy Spirit, would you just depart for a little bit so I can watch this program? Or that I can visit this site on the computer. No, it's 24-7. He's with us always, never to leave nor forsake. And therefore, we need to behave appropriately. And so he says a good soldier avoids entanglements. Now, let me be mature about the next few statements. 
and I'll not get personal. What does that mean? What's he talking about? Avoiding entanglements. Let me be mature in these statements, and you read into it. That means this. We need to be willing to say no to anything that would distract our loyalty to Christ. That's a mature statement. Uh, I could have, I just could have given you a list of things that you've probably heard over the years. But if we're going to be a good soldier, there's times when we need to, we need to say no to and avoid anyone or anything that would distract my loyalty, disrupt my loyalty to Christ. Not only that, I think this, anything that would hinder my faithfulness to the Lord. Huh? Do, do, are you getting these? For example, you're going to go date this guy, and this guy says, well, if we date, you're not going to be able to go to church anymore. I don't think he's the kind of guy you ought to date. Right. I just wanted to throw that out there, just in case you weren't getting. Huh? When you've worked for your job long enough, and all of a sudden your job says, well, in order to keep working here, you're going to have to work on Sundays, and you say to your employer, I can't because Sundays don't belong to me. I can't give you something that's not mine. And he says, well, you're going to have to lose your job. And then you say, well, that's what's going to have to be. And then you trust God. He's going to take care of you. See, that's the Christianity that we grew up with. Go ahead and clap. That's the Christianity we grew up with. That's not the kind of Christianity we practice today. Don't get mad at the preacher. I'm just preaching the truth. Today, there is no loyalty. There is no faithfulness. Anything goes. And the Lord's Day has become everything but what it's supposed to be, a day to worship God. Come on, man, get with the program. Amen. See what happens when you guys come to church? You get me all messed up. He was a nice guy until you showed up. And then the third thing I said, anything that would mar our testimony in the Lord. Anything that would mar our testimony in the Lord. We've got to say no to. We've got to stay away from why? I don't want my... my t- Look here, the Bible, the book of Proverbs, it still says, I checked it out, it still says, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. More important to me or you should be our testimony, our name. And people may say things, they might throw things, but, but live in such a way, it doesn't stick. There's no truth in it. It can be disproved. Whatever they're saying is not true. Why? I'm a good soldier. And as a good soldier, I need to make sure I not only endure hardness, but I avoid entanglements. We good? You sure? You've heard preaching like this before, right? Last week. (laughs) But look at the aim. Look at verse 4. In fact, no, I want you to see this. I want you to see this Bible verse. Throw it up, guys, if you would. Look at this verse. Romans chapter number 14, verse 78. He said this, for none of us live to himself, none of, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, say it with me, class, we are the Lord's. Amen. We're the Lord's. <laughs> I belong to him. Amen. And here's the aim of verse number four. Look at verse four again. Bottom line, he says that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You know what that means, Jim? That means more than anything, you and I will live in such a way that all I really want to do is please Him. That's it. Now, look here. Look here. Here's the decision. The decision isn't whether or not I do this or whether I... No, the decision is, how do I please Him? Is this pleasing to Him? Am I pleasing to Him? Will this please Him? All I want to do, the aim of my life, your life ought to be, I want to please Him. Period. Am I pleasing to him? It doesn't matter how difficult the task. Am I pleasing to him? 
Doesn't matter if I have to suffer or not. Am I pleasing to him? See how that works? That's the aim there. Am I pleasing to him? Why? That's what a good soldier does. He's pleasing to the Lord. One final attribute. Look at verse 5. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. So, a good soldier strives to succeed. In other words, here's what he's saying there. A good soldier is always looking to take ground. Always looking to advance. Right? Do you remember, you remember when Jesus taught his disciples about prayer and went on and said this to his disciples? He said, when you pray, kind of pray something like this. Pray to the Father in heaven. He's your Father. Right? Pray that his will would be done on earth and that his kingdom would come. Or in other words, pray in such, pay, pay attention, pray in such a way, pray, Lord, help me to live out your will today so that I advance your kingdom. That's how you pray that prayer, Brian. That's how it is. Father, may your will be done on earth. May your kingdom come. What does that mean? Help me to live in such a way that I'm fulfilling your will and advancing your kingdom. Why? Because I'm a good soldier, and good soldiers don't retreat. They advance. They advance. And I need to advance. Yesterday, I went down to this store down the street. Where am I at? This store down the street here. What is it? Wawa. I couldn't remember the name. Second time I went down there yesterday. And as I was getting out of my, my truck and, and walking in, I was going, just get a small coffee, just a small coffee. You know, there's a, two little fellows there with their, with their dad. And they asked me if I would contribute to their youth basketball, whatever. And, and they had candy. And it was, it was one for a dollar and three for five and so on and so forth, right? And so I looked at my wallet. I didn't have any cash. I said, guys, I'll be right back out. I'll get some cash. So I went in, came out. They're standing right there. I grabbed the five. I gave the one fellow the five. And I said, here's now, here's the deal. I'm giving you this $5, but you both have to eat the candy. I don't need the candy. I got plenty of candy at home. I don't need the candy, but you eat the candy. They said, we eat the candy? They're kind of saying to themselves, this guy's an idiot. He's giving us five bucks and we get to eat the candy? Huh? Right? Give me more, more like that. And then I said to them, now just wait a second. I went into my car and I grabbed a couple of our literature, pamphlets, documents, whatever. And I went back and I said, hey, I said to the, to the dad, to the boys, I said, hey, you go to church anywhere? Yeah, we go to grandma's church. I said, yeah, well, there's a church right down the street that I would love to see you come. We got this big gymnasium. That's all they had to hear. Gymnasium? Why did I say that? Because they're getting me to support their basketball. Gymnasium? Can we play? Yeah, man, you come out. You can play Sunday morning at 1045. You can play. Yeah, just got to go to one of our classrooms first, you know. What, what am I saying? I'm saying this. I tried to turn that around so that I'm not only being a blessing to a couple of little boys playing basketball, but I get to advance the kingdom of God just by giving somebody a gospel tract. See how easy that was? I got my coffee, right? I could have had three bars of candy, but I got a, a chance to be a blessing. I would hope to the Lord. I hope that was pleasing to the Lord. Are you with me? We got, we got to see these things like that. That's why we are here. We're here. We exist to strive to succeed as a good soldier. There's two, there's two very important military days in history. Most of you uh, veterans know these days. Most of us older people understand these days. There's D-Day and then there's V-E-Day. They're not the same. Now pay attention to this. D-Day, 1944, D-Day was the day 
where the United States military launched the attack at Normandy Beach in the European theater that began the end of the Second World War, D-Day. Why do they call it D-Day? Just because it was the day. <laughs> That's all it means, day, D-Day. VE Day, different day. VE Day occurred in 1945, and VE Day marks the day the war literally ends. VE Day, right? Victory in Europe. That's what that sounds, stands for, victory in Europe. VE Day. Now listen carefully. The rapture is our VE Day. I'm still here, and so are you. And I don't think we missed the rapture. So you know what that means? The war's not over yet. The war, we, we need to launch an all-out attack, D-Day. I do believe we're closer than ever before. I believe we're living during the end of the end times. I really do. I think Jesus is coming back soon. I don't know when. I, I really want to be alive because I want to experience rapture. You know, I want to see what it's like, you know. And, but it's going to happen so quick because I would like to look at some people's faces, you know. I would love to see the look on Bob Smith's face. You know, Roz Keem, I want to see Miss Roz. I want to see you during the rapture, <laughs> you know. But we're not, I don't think we're going to really matter. We're just going to go up. However, however, we're not at VE Day yet. It's not over yet. Not over yet. Today we need to live like good soldiers and keep advancing. Are you with me? Keep advancing. Keep living for God. Keep doing our best. Enduring hardness. Avoiding entanglements. And striving to succeed. Why? I'm finished. Here's the reason why. That's our identity. That's, that's who we are. Did you see what it said in verse 4 again? Look here. No man that wars entangleth himself the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath what? Chosen him to be. He's chosen us for this. I didn't choose it. He chose it. That's my identity. That's your identity. And let, let it not be said of us, they've lost their identity. Some have. They lost their identity. Fact is, if you were to really kind of figure out what they believed, uh, we don't know what they believe anymore. Huh? Don't let it be said of you or I, of us as a church, they've lost their identity. Why? Because the most important thing that we could be is pleasing to Him, and we're most pleasing to Him when we're doing what Amen. He wants us to do. Amen, church? Let's strive to be a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.